Baruch Hashem. With Hashem's loving grace, we continue on in Likutei Moran, first part, Torah 7. Tonight is lesson three for a quick uh, review of what we learned last week. By the way, you can go back on torch.com. You can hear the, the video, the MP3, uh, the podcast, and on laserbeams.com, you can see the video replay, and it's all in, in the category of a Likutei Moran. Sure, you can f- pick out whatever you missed. Okay, but last week, we saw how a person can't possibly obtain emuna unless he or she first commits to the truth. Uh, there's an example once gave about uh, the anti-hero, the Czechoslovakian anti-hero Schweik. Schweik was a soldier in World War I. And Schweik, he didn't know which end of the rifle to shoot. And so, of course, he couldn't hit the target. So what Schweik would do when he finally figured out which side was the trigger and which side was the muzzle, and he shot a bullet and it hit a wall somewhere. So he went up to the wall and he painted a bullseye around, the, around this hole. And they says, look, I shot a bullseye. It sounds facetious, but many people like that. Many people decide, uh, first, what, what do I want? What are my lusts? What are my physical appetites? And then they build this ersatz ideology around what they want. Rabbi Nachman says, no. Rabbi Nachman says, first, a person must commit for the truth and make a search for the truth and find out what's truth. And that's it. Someone asked me today, I got an an email from the UK and someone asked for permission to, 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 do you have room for me to join the live lessons? I said, we have room for anyone who objectively wants the truth. That's it. To try to justify someone's uh, precondition ideology that we're not there for that. Okay. But if one of Jen learned truth is we're all, that's our whole group is looking for the truth, looking for Hashem. The truth is Hashem. We said that also last week. Okay, so that means putting aside one's agenda, one's personal agenda, uh, one's bodily appetites, one's lust, and looking for the intrinsic good, which is genuinely upright, and we're going to find that in Hashem's light, Hashem's Torah. Okay, so this week we continue on, and we learn the importance of taking advice from the right person, and we see how most careful we be in picking the friends, picking our friends and picking those who influence us. Now, that means uh, when we say be careful on social media, it's not just being prudish. Oh, don't go on social media here. Today, the United States Senate, they had a hearing about social media, and the United States senators, they, they called they called them onto the carpet. All the great social media is because of people, there are kids that are being bullied and kids that committed suicide and all kinds of stuff because of the nasty stuff that goes on social media. And the Israeli press says, look, look at the United States Senate. If what happened in the Knesset, then uh, the, the, the social media, this way the social media heads, the center, the richest people in the world, heads of Twitter and heads of uh, Facebook and billionaires, and they stood at attention in front of these senators, gave them great respect. They said, if it happened in Israel, they'd probably yell at the members of Knesset. We see even, even the nations of the world know that they have to be careful about who they influence from. And they're calling people to be about being a bad influence on society. We need social media about being a bad influence on society. So if the nations of the world know that they're a bad influence on society, when we're looking to get close to Hashem, there is nothing connected between searching Hashem uh, on social media or, on, or even on the internet, unless you're connected to Torah Anytime, to Torch.com, to He the Brood, to uh, Beams. If you're looking for, for one of these, and we try to be, and even that, we, we get flack. What are you doing there? What are you, what are you swimming in that sea? That the, we're trying, there are people that uh, grab onto the life raft and they've been pulled out. So as long as uh, the heads of Israel Tell Rabbi Ari Volbi and Rabbi Laser Brody stay on there and say, "People, okay." But as soon as uh, we get the, the orders to get off, the, that that's what we're going to do. That's what we're going to do. And uh, of course, both what Rabbi Volbi and I, uh, what we both do, what we do on the orders of our Rosh Hashiva, our Rabbi Yitzchak Berkowitz, and that that's why we're here. Okay, so this is we're trying to give a positive influence. We have to be very careful. For every positive influence, there are thousands and thousands of negative influences. So we're going to learn about why Rebbe Nachman explains why this is so very important. So open up Likotel Moran to part one, to Torah Zion, to letter Gimel, the third letter, 
רבי נחמן says, אי אפשר לבוא לאמת אלא על ידי התקרבות לצדיקים. A person cannot get close to truth unless a person connects himself and gets in proximity of the tzaddikim, the true tzaddikim. When Rabbi Nachman says tzaddikim, he means a true tzaddikim. He doesn't mean uh, people necessarily, the colors of the coat and, uh, you know, what that much, uh, how many people are surrounding him. Uh, and a very big tzaddikim that you don't have, anti, they don't go around with entourage. And they... They're so humble. They're they're so simple, and they live simple lives. And they don't have someone driving them around a Cadillac. One is my own personal guide, the Rebbe of Mil- the Admor Millitz, Rebbe of Millitz, and he's just so simple and so holy. And because he's all connected, he is not connected to the material world at all. But uh, it's 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 all it's all about getting close to Shem and bringing other people close to Shem. So Rebbe Nachman says, if you want to find truth. And you want to get close to the truth, you have to be connected to the tzaddikim. And follow their advice. Okay, so we have a hierarchy. What does it mean connected to who's Rabbi Nachman is really talking about? It's he's talking about autobiographically. He's talking about himself. With the true tzaddik, he's talking about himself. But Rabbi Nachman is waiting. How am I supposed to have a connection with Rabbi Nachman? Rabbi Nachman he left this world uh, in 1810. So we're doing 214 years ago. Okay, but Rebbe Nachman passed his teachings on to Rebbe Natan. Rebbe Natan codified them on their teaching, their teaching, their teachings. The fact that we're now learning Rebbe Nachman's teachings and we got it from, <laughs> directed the whole chain. I, I learned Rebbe Nachman's teachings from Rebbe Avram Haivitz Handler, that he learned them from Rebbe Levi Yitzchak Binder. And this all the way goes back, all the way back back to Rabbi Nathan. So this is a chain we get from teacher to pupil, teacher to pupil, teacher to pupil. And it's just like our own thing, we can't person can't uh, spread a moon himself. He has his students and his students. And uh, I know Bo Hashem, my, my wonderful students, people that are, that are right here. Okay, I can't b- b- see talk to people on the street in Louisiana. Eric John can. I can't talk to people in, in, in London directly. David can. David don't can. And, and in Joburg, Fumani, he's, he's our man in Joburg. We have people all over the world, network over the world. So this is what we do. And now we all come back. This is what King Solomon says. All the rivers come back to the sea. So now we all come back to Rabbi Nachman's teachings. We're getting this right from Rabbi Nachman. Rabbi Nachman gives us a blessing that we learn his Torah as if we learn it directly from him. And the Gemara says that. That when we learn in the name of Rebbe Nachman, it's like Rebbe Nachman's, his, his lips are moving in a grave. But these could do much more outside the grave than, than he does inside, after life than he does inside life. So what does this do? That by, the, by taking the advice of the true tzaddikim, nechkak bo'emet, when we learn their Torah, we learn their Torah means their teachings. Torah literally means teachings. The word Torah means teachings. When we learn their teachings, then these teachings, here we hear them in our, we're going over their teachings and we're elaborating our teachings. These get engraved in our brain and we internalize them in heart. This gets engraved in our heart. So it's the teachings that get engraved in our heart. So we have an engravement of truth in our heart. Like King David wrote in Psalm 51, Hen emet and that you, you desired you desire the truth. You desire the truth. Shatach afet samet. Rabbi Nachman says, when you desire truth, when you desire the truth, then it goes all the way. Is, it's, a, it's a play on words in Hebrew. It means your innermost parts, like your kidneys. And it also means uh, the a place where it's secure. In other words, inside, no, nobody, could, nobody could touch your kidneys. And your kidneys is where the according to the according to Kabbalah, that's where advice comes from. And in the kidneys, advice comes from the kidneys. It comes from the kidneys, kids pass up to the brain. That's where advice comes from. And so Chachma Todiani. So when this is deep inside, this is so internalized, not only in my heart, it's internalized in my kidneys, where my kidneys will come back and give me advice, then Chachma Todiani. Then this will inform me of wisdom. So I get this wisdom, and this is real wisdom, because I get this truth, and where I get this truth from, this is from the teachings of the true tzaddik. 
And Rabbi Nachman says now something, this is so, so, so important. I want to go slow on this. When a person accepts advice from another person, it is just like if we can imagine uh, physicality, a conjugal relationship. Imagine a mental conjugal relationship. When you let someone get inside your head, Okay, that's a, a physical relationship. Uh, one per the, the, the two bodies join, but you're letting another brain engage in your brain. So Rabbi Nachman says that spiritually, and mentally, and emotionally, accepting advice from another person is like a spiritual conjugal relationship. It's like marriage. Okay, so you have to be so careful. You wouldn't marry anybody off the street. And he says the same thing. You wouldn't marry anybody off the street. You wouldn't accept advice from anybody off the street. And Rabbi Nachman continues. Oh, and he says, now he warns us. He says, When you accept advice from wicked people. What's wicked people? What was that? A wicked people. That did say a bad person or a nice person. A wicked person, maybe somebody could look like he's wearing a, you know, uh, 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 she could be wearing a tailored suit. And he could be wearing a Botany 500 suit that costs $1,000 and, and you know, very respectable and people respect him. No, but when they don't follow the laws of Torah, when he cuts corners in business, when he doesn't say things that are true, when he says things that are diplomatic or that are politically correct, that's not truth. That's far away from truth. That's the opposite. And that always quote, at least twice a day, what the Melitz Rebbe says, He's grandson of the Baal Shem Tov. He says that 99% truth is 100% lie. And that is why Hashem's signet ring is truth, because it's 100% truth. If there is one-tenth of 1% counterfeit, it's already rendered no good. That's not Hashem. That's not Hashem. So if it's not 100% true, it's not not, not Hashem. And therefore, the tzaddik is very, very, very careful that he doesn't swerve to the right or to the left not one degree, not one mill. Degree, there's 360 degrees in navigation. A mill, the circle's divided in 6,400. Okay, they're not even in one point, 0.001% from the truth. Okay, why? Because when a person takes advice from a person that's not upright, doesn't keep the laws of Torah, it's like he's married, to a dark side force. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. You know what that means? When a person is married to a dark side force, and we're talking about spiritual marriage, we're talking about mental marriage, emotional marriage, it means bringing the dark side into the holy of holies. Just like in the tabernacle, there's the holy of holies. What's the holy of holies in a human being? You're walking around. Don't ever sell yourself short. This way you have to be so careful. You are walking around with a tiny spark of the Almighty, which is your soul. Your soul is in your brain. That is the Holy of Holies. A person is a, is a little miniature model of the entire universe and of the the, the, the Beit HaMikdash, the, the Holy Temple. So if you're a Holy Temple, and this is why holiness, we're talking about guarding our eyes, we're talking about guarding our body. And this is not a matter of prudishness. We say, you know, oh, prude. Uh, it's, I know in the UK, that it went a very upright family and uh, th- their daughter was in high school and she dresses modern and she dresses very modest and the girls in class call her a nun. He <laughs> proved this, this is, it's an anathema. It's an anathema because she's got the truth. She knows that she is an example of a spiritual temple, a, a, a holy temple. Now, if we are each of a holy temple, up here in the brain, where the neshama, where the divine soul is housed, that is the holy of holies, because that's where Hashem is. That's why you have to love a person and respect every other human being. And in this week's Torah portion, in this week's Torah portion, Hashem guards us that the priest in the holy temple, he can't walk up. He has to wear under his cloak, he has to wear pants, because he can't walk up an incline that uh, the stones would see something improper. So if we have to be careful not to disparage the stones, Rashi explains, how careful will we have to be not to disparage another person? 
So if you have to be careful not to disparage another person, how can we disparage ourselves? How can we defile the holy of holies within ourselves? So when a person takes advice from another person that's not upright, then it is being married to the dark side. It's taking the dark side and putting it in the holy of holies. Wow. Can you imagine if you have a hotel room? Oh, the king is coming to your town. So they go and the, the king's entourage looks for a proper hotel. They go to Ritz Carlton and they go here and they go to the Hilton and they finally decide that the Hilton, they say they want, we want a royal suite for the king. And they say, sure, they, they find they find out it looks like the best place. And they finally bring the king there. And when the king gets to the royal suite, there's a drunk with broken beer bottles on the floor. And he's got muddy feet on the king's silk sheets. Can you imagine that? That's exactly what it's like when Hashem looks what's happening with us. And here in our Holy of Holies, we've got terrible advice up there. Or we have scenes that are, are not right that we shouldn't have looked at. And Hashem can't be there. And, and the, the, the royal entourage says, no, this is not for the king. The king leaves. So right away, as Hashem leaves, there is no void in spirituality. This is what Rabbi Nachman explained to us. So if the dark side is up in the Holy of Holies, that means the light side is down. Okay, you want the drunk to sleep in your bed? And you want your the, the carpet to be uh, all kinds of sunflower shell seeds and popcorn and, and broken beer bottles? No, can't have the Holy of Holies. That, that, that's not a place for holiness. Holiness is a place for purity. Absolute purity, fit for a king, those perfect silk sheets. And that's it. And imagine. And, and what we do when we look at things that are improper, this is what we do to our holy of holies. I mean, if people with heaven forbid, heaven forbid, heaven forbid, porn addictions, they run out this addiction, nobody ever explained to them what they're doing to themselves. I think if they would get the shock, or if they would see, if they could see a movie of Hashem's reaction or, or an angel's reaction when he comes near that person's brain and the disgust, the, the, the disgust that just leaving the dark side that comes in there. Ooh, that one time, uh, I don't think he'd look at anything more improper. I, that would solve the addiction right on the spot. And the same thing with a lot of other addictions that bring all this impurity into a person's brain. So Rabbi Nachman says, where does Rabbi Nachman learn this from? When Hashem said to Eve, why did you go against my word? I told you not to eat from the forbidden fruit. Okay. And Eve, what did she answer to Hashem? This is the third chapter of Genesis. Uh, this is uh, passage 13. She said, Hanachashisiani, that the, the snake made me do it. People said, yeah, the devil made me do it. Yeah, the snake made me do it. The snake, the word, hisiani, that... It literally means that the snake carried me to do it. In other words, he it was the impetus of, of it did it, but it's a play on words in, in, in the biblical tongue. Hisiani means that a person carries me to do something and also means that the person married me. Same word. So what Eve is saying that the snake gave her the advice that he made him do it by his snake's advice, she's also saying that a snake married me. We have a, a, a authorization of this in the Zohar, that the Zohar, the Zohar says this is a, what, what she answered. This is the, the language in the Holy Tongue. This is the language of marriage. So the advice that Eve got from the snake was just like as if she married the snake. And you see in Kabbalah, they use the imagery as if Eve had conjugal relationships with the snake. That is not the case. Okay, people that uh, are, don't go into it deep enough, they, they, they think this, they say, so they say that uh, uh, Abel, Cain and Abel, Abel was born from Adam and Cain was born from the snake. No, that's not right. That's not right. That, that, that is not right. It means that when the, in Kabbalah, they say that Eve had an aspect of conjugal relations, we're talking about the spiritual conjugality, the spiritual that she enabled, just as a, in, in, in physical marriage, uh, that the female partner enables the male partner, uh, gives entrance to the male partner, that she gave entrance to the dark side. But what did she give entrance to? Up here in the Holy of Holies. We're talking about up here. Let's elevate the imagery. 
Okay, people are they they gravitate. They think, oh, oh, yeah. Well, this is racy. They found something and they found something racy and uh, X-rated in Kabbalah. No, it's not. There's nothing X-rated in Kabbalah. It's here. You have to uplift the imagery and see what we're talking about. So when the Kabbalah says, Zohar says that the snake injected Eve with impurity, again, people that they talked about as, as injection of, a, of an impure seed. No, it's not an injection. We're talking up here again, an injection of impurity in the Holy of Holies in her soul. Because up till now, there was no death in the world. Up till now, uh, Adam and Eve, before the sin, they would have their conjugal relationships were just like eating breakfast. It was just this was a, a matter of existing, and a conjugal relationship was a matter of what Hashem told them to be fruitful and multiply. There was nothing impure about that, nothing dirty about that. There was all elevated. It was all purity. It was all doing Hashem's will. But as soon as she entered, as soon as the, the nachash, the serpent, the snake entered her brain, this injected her, what's the impurity, with the evil inclination. Now the evil inclination became a part of, of Eve's brain and a part of Adam's brain. Now that they're part of Eve's brain and Adam's brain, now they're in the DNA of humanity and from all subsequent right down to us. And now you know, this is an evolution, how we got our evil inclination. This is how we got our evil inclination because Hashem created man without an evil inclination, went against Hashem's wishes, got the evil inclination. How? Rabbi Nachman explaining, because of the injection of impurity into the divine soul. And that is what it means when Rabbi Nachman says, quoting the Zohar, that the primordial snake injected Eve with impurity. Now, but there was a correction for that. The Gemara in Tractate Shabbat, page 146, said that when the Israelites received Torah on Mount Sinai, Hashem gave them a correction. Since they willfully received Torah, and the Midrash tells us that Hashem went to all the nations of the world, they didn't want the Torah, the Ishmaelites said, uh, you know, the Hamas, what's in there? Oh, thou shalt not kill. No, that's not for us. And somebody else said, oh, what, what's in there? Oh, thou shalt not steal. No, that's not for us. That's uh, our thing. We're, we're pirates. And, and someone of this, you can't do that. And they went to the French. Oh, what's in there? Oh, thou shalt not covet. <laughs> no, that committed adultery. No, that's not for us. Okay. Now, and then they went, and the only ones that accepted it were, were the Jews, the Israelites. Okay. So when they accepted the Torah and accepted it willingly and lovingly, without even knowing what was in it. They said, Hashem, whatever you do, Nasevanishma, whatever you command us, this is exactly what we're going to do. So then Hashem gave them, gave them a gift and re-purified the holy neshama in the brain and took away the Yetzirah, took away the evil inclination. And that evil inclination, he doesn't, he doesn't rest. You have to understand life in this world is a 120-year battle against the evil inclination. And then how did it come back? With the golden calf. It was very shortly after receiving the Torah. Now, once the golden calf was, the Yetzirah was back in there. He was back on the field, back on the playing field. Okay, he was, he was off for a, for a day or two, but it didn't take long. And he was back in the playing field. And so this is what Rabbi Nachman is telling us. He's quoting the Gomorrah, that at the occasion of receiving the Torah on Mount Sinai, that this spiritual uh, impurity was nullified in, in, in the brain, in the neshamas. Yisham kiblu tayag eti in the Kedusha. Why? Rabbi Nachman quotes the Zohar. The Zohar doesn't call 613 commandments of Torah. calls them 613 eti in 613 morsels of holy advice. Morsels of holy advice. That every commandment, it's not a commandment, you do this. It's advice. You want to be happy? You want to be healthy? You want to be close to Hashem? That's it. You follow this advice, you're going to be close to Hashem. And, and, and this is it. This is the Zohar tells us in, in Parshat Yitro. That's this week's Torah portion. Now they come back, and you can understand the imagery on Shavuot, on the 6th of, of Sivan, that when the people of Israel received the Torah, that was like them 
again, remarrying Hashem's Torah, remarrying Hashem. Okay, it's because now that before they were, they were, they were they like cheated on Hashem. They, what did they cheat on Hashem? They cheated on Hashem with the, the dark side. Say so the, the, the dark side concubine. And now they've returned their loyalties to Hashem. And they've come like, I, and there's a lot of imagery on that in our, our sonnets that we recite on Shavuot, on the, on, the Torah, on the holiday of Shavuot, when we receive Torah, about this imagery of being remarried, being under the chuppah, getting Torah, getting under the chuppah with a Kodesh Baruch Hu, that the Kodesh Baruch Hu and the, the divine presence, who's the mother of Israel, and they become remarried. It's like a remarriage. Okay, so we have to be very, very careful. This Rabbi Nachman is stressing this, very careful not to take advice from the dark side. Take advice and not even, though. No, don't even take a doubt. Take your advice from Sadiqim. And that's why it's so important when you have a, a, a spiritual guide who's connected to Sadiqim and uh, okay, it's just, we all can't have direct access to, to Moses, but there, there's a hierarchy. People ask me, how do I pick a spiritual guide? And my answer is find out who his spiritual guide is. Okay, anybody person that, that considers himself the, the top of Mount Sinai, just, no, that, that's, that's presumptuous. You have to have connected to someone bigger than yourself, someone bigger than that, someone bigger than that, takes us all the way up top. So never be bashful. Never be bashful. I did people say, I'm sorry to bother you with the question. You don't bother me with the question. <laughs> that's a job. And it did a job, but what we could do. And and what I don't know, I said, well, I'll give you an answer in a couple of days. I wouldn't ask them unless they're rabbit. Okay. And it's, it's usually uh, won't answer anything unless uh, what I learned from him. A, a student doesn't, and in the Gomorrah, they say there are many, many students in Gomorrah. That's why a, a, a rabbi in the Gomorrah is not called a rabbi. He's called a Talmud Chacham. He's called a wise student. Why is a wise student? Because he doesn't say anything that he didn't receive from his rabbi and from his rabbi and from his rabbi all the way to Moses, all the way in an unchain of father to son, uh, rabbi to pupil that goes all the way back, all the way back, all the way back to, to Mount Sinai to Moses. Now, Rabbi Nachman continues. Why is advice called an aspect of marriage? The Gemara tells us in Tractate Brachot 61 that advice comes from the kidneys. Okay, the Claudio, so this is not something you meant. The advice comes from the kidneys. Guess what happens also in the, in the kidneys that the origin, origin of the male seed, it's also in the kidneys. Okay, clear zero. The, the capability of a male to produce the seed, human seed. Nimsa. So Rabbi Nachman says, since the advice comes from the kidneys and the seed comes from the kidneys, when a person receives advice from another person, it's like receiving that person's seed. Same aspect. They're both the kidneys. And it's depending on who you get it from, whether you get it from an evil person where they get it from a righteous person makes a big big difference. So Rabbi Nachman continues. He says, "Bishvilze atolah matish koach adam." Uh, the Gemara in Sanhedrin says that learning Torah it knocks you out like two hours in the gym, and it's very very tiring. Whereas it takes takes a lot of a lot of physical power away from a person. Why is that? Nikra tushia, because the Torah is called tushia. Tushia is a plane on words. Play on words. One side it means insight, and on the other side it means that it wears you down. Okay, it wears it, it wears you down because there are six hundred and thirteen pieces of advice in the Torah, and that's what King Solomon tells us in Proverbs chapter eight, proverb fourteen. Li eitzah v'tushia. He says, "I have advice and insight." And I'll say insight and wear you down. What's the advice? Insight that wears you down? That's the learning Torah. So the connection, the juxtaposition of advice and the word tushia, which is the insight that a person gets from learning Torah, this Rabbi Nachman learns from King Solomon, the wisest of all men, that he brought this juxtaposition in chapter 8 of Proverbs. And once again, 
as we learn, bring it back that that the advice that person gets this is an aspect of marriage, and it's just like marriage. And Rabbi Nachman is using this as imagery. He's using this imagery against. He uses conjugal imagery. He says just like learning Torah wears a person down. Uh, the conjugal relationship wears a person down. A person's tired afterward. And just like the person's tired after learning Torah because they've been spending all this effort and the seed comes from the kidneys and the advice comes from the kidneys and a person is learning the advice of from the Torah. So he says a very similar aspect, very similar. Rabbi Nachman is talking, again, keep it on a very lofty level. Rabbi Nachman is using this lofty imagery and Rabbi Nachman was so Holy, he's solely just saying, but a person can understand. We're trying to understand. We talk to young people about the depth and the holiness of the conjugal relationship and how important it is to guard the government. And, and then the people in modern society that's lacking, it's just like a lust, like any other kind of lust. That's all dark side. That is all dark side. And a person that considers if a person is, is connected, for example, eating and drinking, eating and drinking is, is the most elevated thing that, that it could be. We, we wash our hands before we eat. We make grace before we, we eat. We speak Torah at the table. We make grace after meals. It, it's like the Gomorrah says, when a person eats in holiness, it's like sacrificing, make a sacrifice on the holy altar. But how about when people come down and they just, uh, you know, they have a... Uh, a food bash, and they bring it down. That this is all our physical activities are meant when done in holiness to get it close to Hashem. Get it close to. There's a story about Rabbi Nachman, and Rabbi Nachman was looking at his front window, and Rabbi Nachman saw a young man on Shabbat in the morning, and he was running to the mikveh. Why he was running to the mikveh? Because the, the night before. He had conjugal relationships with his wife. And, and Rabbi Nachman said to Rabbi Nathan, he says, come, look, look at the window. He says, you see that young man? He says, yeah, I see. He said, don't you see him glow? And Rabbi Nachman said he, was, he did what he had to do in such purity that he glowed. Where most people, if they're, they're like that, they, they, they're dull because they, they do it, they, they do it with, the, with the thought of an animal. People eat and drink with the, 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 same, the same kavana, the same intent as, a, as an animal. No, we eat and drink to sustain our bodies, to get close to Hashem, to keep a healthy body. Hashem gave us his wonderful body. And we don't eat and drink anything. We eat and drink responsi responsibly and healthy food because they, to keep us healthy, not because of things that we like. And if it's junk food, no, that, that, that's all lust. Everything we do, lust is all dark side. It all has to be to keep us close to Hashem. And that's why Hashem gave us this physical body and brought this physical body down to the world, you have to understand, cherish brothers and sisters, we are the only creature in the universe, in the all of creation, that has the soul of an angel and the body of an animal. So when we go to the advice and holiness, we take our advice and holiness, we uplift ourselves to level an angel above the angels, because the angels... There are times when Midrash tells the angels came down to earth and they messed up. They couldn't do. So when we have this human body and we uplift it in holiness by taking the holy advice, then we're above the level angels. Yet, if we take this holy soul that Hashem gives each one of us and bring it down, we're below the level of a beast, low level of an animal. Because an animal, the animal does what he wants out of instinct. But when a human acts like an animal, He's taking this holiness, this hope diamond, and throwing it down, excuse the expression, the manure. That's exactly what he's doing. So this is something terrible, something exactly terrible. So I have to understand that it's how important it is to get advice. We continue on. Now, what is Rabbi Nachman? We said tonight, let's, let's call seeds of truth. Rabbi Nachman says the advice you get from a tzaddik are all seeds of truth. The tzaddik emet. Since you get the advice from a tzaddik, it's like spiritually getting his seed, but it's a spiritual seed. That's the advice that is going to impregnate your soul and produce good thoughts and produce good deeds. That's the impregnation here. That's the imagery that a tzaddik gives you a thought that goes in your brain 
And it now produces, it's now productive because it gives you an idea to learn more. It gives you an idea to do more good things. It gives you an idea to get closer to Hashem. So what the tzaddik has done, he has impregnated your brain. And that is why getting advice from the tzaddik is just like getting a seed. But Rabbi Nachman says, it's zera emet. It's all, it's all the seed of truth. What's the seed of truth? He's not going to tell you a thing that you wouldn't hear from Hashem because it's his responsibility to bring you closer to Hashem. He continues on and says, this is what Jeremiah the prophet intended in chapter 2, verse 21. Uh, but Jeremiah says, he says, I have planted Sion. Uh, a Sion is uh, like a vine, a, a, a root cutting. Going to grow and another I planted a vine, and this is Rabbi Nachman says this vine that he's talking about. Uh, Jeremiah calls this vine the true seed, and this is the meaning that alludes to the advice that one gets from the tzaddik. And this Rabbi Nachman says is going to bring a person to truth because it's the true seed, and by bringing that person to truth. The person is going to get emunah, and by bringing the person emunah, is connected to the truth, and then comes the the geula, the full redemption of the people. We started Torah seven that we are still in exile because of a lack of emunah, and we have a lack of emunah because of a lack of truth, and we have a lack of truth because we're not connected to tzaddikim. This is the whole chain. The whole chain, Rabbi Nachman sees. Once again, let's review the chain. Okay, when a person connects to a tzaddik, the tzaddik connects a person to truth. Truth connects a person to emuna. Emuna takes a person to his geula. Rabbi Nathan said, even though the world has not yet been redeemed, he says, I, I feel like my, my own personal life is redeemed. I know there's a Shem in the world, and I speak to a Shem every day. When you have a Shem in your life, and you have a Muna, it's like your personal redemption is, is already here. For you, Mashiach is here. And that is how the, the beautiful upward spiral of connection to the tzaddik. Once again, we're connected to a tzaddik. The tzaddik brings us to truth. Truth brings us to emuna. Emuna brings us to geula, to our, our redemption. Okay, so that is how through the tzaddik's advice, we connect ourselves to truth. We connect ourselves to emuna, and we connect ourselves to redemption. And so what it really means, what does it mean? Rabbi Nachman, another Torah, he tells us when he talks about holiness, personal holiness, he says that when a person spills his seed in vain, it's like spilling drops of his brain. People find out it's like throwing his brain all around. But here, you can explain why. Here you understand. Rabbi Nachman says that receiving the seed of the tzaddik is when the advice internalizes that. What is that? What's the seed of the tzaddik? Okay, we've got to go further back. Where does the seed come from? Okay, the DNA from the seed comes from the whiteness of the, 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 the backbone that comes down from the brain. The seed originates in the brain, and then it gets cooked down the uh, spleen and then into the kidneys. And so when a person receives advice from the tzaddik, it's like a person receives drops of the tzaddik's intellect. So when you take advice of the tzaddik, you're receiving drops of the tzaddik's intellect. Now, there's something very salient when you want to see how well a person has been the understudy of his rabbi and spiritual guide. Okay, if you would ask a person a question and then ask the same question to his rabbi and spiritual guide, he has a very high percentage of answering the question like his rabbi would answer it. That means that he's close to his rabbi and spiritual guide. He's internalized. He doesn't give his own opinion. He gives what he learned. And that's the connection. Giving his own opinion, maybe his own opinion is off to the right or off to the left. We don't want to get that. We want to get to Moses. So by getting to Moses, we have to stay on the ladder. You can't climb up if you leave the ladder. If you leave the ladder, you fall off to the right or fall off to the left. You have to stay on the ladder. Stay on the ladder. And this is because if you understudy of a, you have your own spiritual guide, 
and you learn his teachings, you're getting part of his intellect and your intellect, you're uplifting yourself. And now you're connected to this beautiful upward ladder. That is the imagery of Jacob's ladder. Okay, so this is, we do this by the advice. Then now we continue on. This we learned before, that behold, you want truth, and truth is found in the inner parts. It's all the inner parts, and we said it's a double word, meaning the kidneys. And by that way, a person learns the wisdom. So we merit in receiving the drops of intellect that we get from the true tzaddikim. And then as we merit, we have to I accept it. I have to accept this. I have to accept the teachings. I can't argue with the tzaddik's teachings. Okay. If I would argue with my rebbe and say, no, this is not right, this is not right, then I wouldn't be able to internalize it because you have to accept it. And people want to be right. And to say, if you're right, and you know, you get like a, you argue with your investment advisor and uh, your investment advisor says, invest here. No, I won't invest here, but you're going to lose your money if you go there. Yeah, listen, put your brain aside and listen to your advisor, and he's going to give you the right advice. Or listen to your accountant or listen to your, listen to the best advice. And here we're talking about advice that directly affects us in our Holy of Holies, because that's the true seed. The true seed are the bits of intellect that we get from the tzaddik from following the tzaddik's advice. Okay, that's uh, Gimbal. Now we go up to uh, letter Dalit. We're up to letter Dalit. And Likute Moran. And now we learn something new. Rabbi Nachman brings on a new concept. And he says, Ayyade mitzvah tzitzit, on by the mitzvah of tzitzis. If you don't know what tzitzis are, tzitzis are the fringe garments. Here, these are our tzitzis, and go with our fringe garments that are fringe on both sides. This is a command of Torah. By the fringe garment, uh, we're saved by the advice of the snake. Okay, once again, uh, no hides aren't required to wear tzitzit. Um, Jews very much have to wear tzitzit. Only males, not females. Females are not also not required, but male Jews have to because it's protection against the evil inclination. And to explain why this, there's no uh, discrimination here. But since because of the the way that the Noahide soul is built. If you remember, I'll go back to our Noahide lessons. We said that if you compare a Noahide soul to a diesel engine and compare a Jewish soul to a benzene engine, that they're different. They're quite different types of fuel. So it's enough. You have to have the, the type of fuel that you put in a uh, diesel engine is much lower combustion than is the benzene engines. Lower combustible, it, it, it's simple. It's usually, usually in Israel and America, it's much less expensive. That's why people in trucks and people in cabs, they use diesel fuel. Maybe the parts might be more expensive, but on the long haul, it, it's less expensive. Just because a Noahide only has to have seven commandments, he doesn't need tzitzit. Tzitzit, they're not one of the ten command, seven commandments. But the, a, a Jew, to protect himself, he has to have tzitzit. This is otherwise he is really vulnerable to a lot of uh, difficult things. Just last week, a Noahide asked me if he could wear tzitzit. I thought I knew the answer, but I said, "Wait a second, I'm going to double check with the Melitzer Rebbe." So I asked the Melitzer Rebbe. I, I said, uh, "Noahide asked me. He says he really wants to wear tzitzit. He happened to learn Torah seven and Likutei Mor." Tzitzit. Okay, so he. Uh, asked me if he could wear tzitzit. I asked the Melitzer Rebbe, and the Melitzer Rebbe said, there's no reason why not. No reason why not. So they got the okay. If a Noahide wants to wear them, he's not at all required. Not at all required. But uh, he can wear them. I once saw a U.S. senator uh, that once visited Washington, saw the senator of Utah. He was a Mormon. Uh, senator um, Hatch, Senator Hatch, I think he passed away since said he was a very old man. He had, uh, he was a Mormon. He had a mezuzah on his office and uh, uh, Senator Orrin Hatch. And he had tzitzit also. <laughs> okay. So this is, the, there's nothing, there's nothing that prohibits. It's, it's not a prohibited, I don't know why to wear that. Okay. But it's not required. It's not required. Uh, Rabbi Nachman says, what's he, the imagery of tzitzit. 
He says, that by way of tzitzit, they protect a person from the evil inclination, from the serpent, the snake. And this is from being married to the evil, to the evil side. That's the advice we're talking about. And this married to the evil side, Rabbi Nachman says, this is tantamount to adultery. Who's in adultery? It's being disloyal to Hashem. Imagine that the soul is married to Hashem, it's part of Hashem, and the soul goes away from its partner, its maker, and goes to the dark side. That is probably the worst type of adultery if people would see what they're doing to their souls. And this week's Torah, this week's Torah, the Ten Commandments in this week's Torah portion, Yitro, that they should not commit adultery. And people, by going against the Torah and going against the Shem and denying Amuna and the smart guys with their atheism and their agnosticism, and they're connected to the dark side and connecting to the dark side. It's bad enough to cheat on your spouse, to cheat on Hashem. <laughs> Hashem gives you every heart, every heartbeat, every breath. Imagine if Shem was vindictive like a human being. Oh, you cheat on me? That's okay. Imagine a man finds out that his wife cheats on him, throws her in a divorce court, throws her out of the house, cuts her completely off. So imagine Reb, Hashem finding out that somebody cheated on him. Okay, closes down his heart, closes down his breathing. This is If Hashem would act like a human being, don't understand Hashem's patience and Hashem's loving kindness. Hashem continues to beat the hearts of these agnostics and, and atheists and unbelievable, unbelievable patience, unbelievable patience. So uh, th this is Rabbi Nachman said, wait, stop and think about what you're doing. Take an advice from the dark side. This is like cheating against the Shem. And a person where it's tzitzit, this protects him against this adultery against the Shem. And it's brought down in the Zohar. This is the imagery that we learn in the Torah portion of Noah when Noah got drunk and Noah was lying in bed nude and shame took a garment and then Yefet joined in the mitzvah and they walked backward so they wouldn't look at their father disrespectfully and they covered up their father. And then the third son, Ham, came in and there's two uh, different two different versions in the major one vision said that ham didn't want uh his father to have any more kids so ham came in and took a knife and castrated his father and another version said that ham saw his father unclothed and ham was completely connected to bodily lust and ham committed sodomy against his father <laughs> this is for either one bad news okay but this is the simla that blanket, the garment that shame and yefet covered their father with, this is an aspect of tzitzit, says Rabbi Nachman, because it covered their father's unclothed parts. And just the tzitzit protects our exposed parts of the soul against the dark side. Just as this garment covered up Noah, this protects our exposed souls that the evil inclination can attack. And but ham, ham, shame, ham, ham, what they call ham, ham, they said ham, ham, okay, ham us, ham us, okay, ham, he was the evil inclination incarnate. Shame was the good inclination. Jephet was 50 50, he could go either way, okay, so this is why the, the, Semites, the Jews, they come from, from Shem, the Italians, the Greeks, they come from Yefet, and the uh and uh many of the uh okay, many other parts of where they come from, Ham. Okay, the the, the dark side was people that are still today, Ham's offspring are, are into idolatry. Uh the, the primitive peoples that are still in the backwoods into idolatry. And that's why the Torah says, that Canaan is cursed. Canaan was a grandson of, uh, of, of Ham. And it's written, and this is what Hashem says to the snake. He said to Ham, you're cursed because of what you did to your father. And he says to the snake, you're cursed because of what you did to Adam and Eve. So this is the same aspect. Hashem personally cursed Ham and Hashem personally cursed uh the, the snake. 
Okay, and this is uh, this not only had Noah, he's the so same person who cursed the snake. Noah is the one that cursed his son. Okay, with the Shem's inspiration, because he said when he found out that Sam, what 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 his son did to him, and the garment simla that tzitzit, this is we learn from that says Rabbi Nachman that this protects us from the pollution of the serpent. So now we can understand what it says about Joseph. What the Torah says, Ben Porat Ale Ain Tzitzit, that Rabbi Nachman says that Joseph wore tzitzit. The Midrash tells us that even before the Torah was given to Mount Sinai, that our forefathers kept the whole Torah. So Joseph had a garment with tzitzit, matzitz minachalakim, and the word tzitzit comes from peeking through the hole that says in Song of Songs, in second chapter, verse nine. And that is how Joseph got, Joseph guarded his eyes. So the offspring of Joseph have special protection that an evil eye doesn't work against them. So Joseph such guarded his eyes. What did he guard his eyes in? He guarded his eyes by not looking at the dark side and not taking advice from the wrong person. And this why he knew, this way we could, we'll learn, we'll learn at the beginning of, of next week that uh, that's why the Potiphar's wife couldn't uh, couldn't trap Joseph. She couldn't trap him. And here, might as well take another minute, finish this right now. We're almost finished on... Uh, on section section four, Torah seven, and this is Porat Ben Porat Yosef. It's a blessing for Yosef, and it means be fruitful and multiply. That Porat because uh, immorality it stems primarily from the eyes. What the the uh, right so what the eye sees, what the what the heart, what the eye sees, the heart desires, and what the eye doesn't see, the heart doesn't desire. If the eye would not look at uh, unsightly things that are things are that are not modest, then the heart wouldn't desire. And this is why we learn from Samson. This was Samson's downfall. Why did he say ask Samson? Who's from the he was it he had the power of a prophet and he was a judge. And how did he get messed up with this with this Palestinian Delilah from Gaza? Delilah, because he she was good looking and he looked after his eyes. He didn't guard his eyes. And this would say, what the Torah warns, you should not stray after your heart, after your eyes. And now we can understand why at the end, Hashem enabled the Philistines to gorge out Samson's eyes. Okay, and he found Samson when he, was, he lost, he let, Dan, he let Delilah cut his hair. He was a Nazir. He was a, a priest of Hashem and he lost his power. And it asked his Shem right before he died, let me have power one more time. And he was chained to the pillars of the palace in Ashkelon. Ashkelon was in one of the five, five Philistine towns. And he pushed him, he got his power, and it knocked out the whole palace on their heads. Okay, so this is next week. We're going to pick it up with part five. We're going to have one a very uh, esoteric explanation of a Gemara, one of Rabbi Barbar Basra's uh, Gemara's. And we hope next week, Bezrat Hashem, with our fourth lesson, we finish Torah 7. Uh, try to keep it slow and try to keep things that are eye level and uh, do our best. Meanwhile, you should have a wonderful week. We should all get wonderful advice from wonderful people and all your heart's wishes for the best.